The following is from Red Hill Baptist Church, where we exist to glorify God, grow more like Jesus, and go with the gospel. To find out more about our ministry or to contact us, please visit redhillbaptist.org. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by word if you would and please be finding the book of Philippians we've gone all in on this book at the beginning of this year and and I'm being blessed by it in so many ways I hope that you are if you've been studying it with us and I hope that you will be today if you had to summarize your life your philosophy of life rather in one sentence your philosophy of life in just one sentence could you do it and could you do it in a very short sentence um, one that would fit the original 140 character limit of a tweet on Twitter. And would that sentence, that short, that brief sentence, would it really fully capture the meaning of life? Would it be complete and not lacking in depth? Well, today we're going to see that the Apostle Paul, he wrote such a sentence. 
Now, he did it, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he wrote a brief sentence that not only captured the proper philosophy of life, but even of Christianity itself. In fact, in the New King James Bible, it's only 12 words long. And all of those words are single syllables, simple words. In fact, as I sat down and counted them, the longest one has only six letters and the majority of the words in that sentence only have two or three letters. I mean, it's a simple, brief, but complete sentence. But don't let its simplicity fool you. While it may be brief, it is very, very powerful. In this short sentence, the Apostle Paul covers living and dying. And furthermore, as Christians, we will never outgrow this simple, short, brief, complete, powerful sentence that the Apostle Paul wrote. In fact, it will serve us well until the end of our earthly lives. Now, you might be thinking, well, what verse are you talking about? I, I figured it out. It's in the book of Philippians. But which verse are you speaking of? Well, I'm talking about a wonderful verse you find in the first chapter, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, where Paul writes, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This verse has such clarity. This verse has such conviction. Now, at first glance, it may confuse some. I mean, how in the world can dying be considered gain? Furthermore, what does it mean when Paul says, for to me to live is Christ? What does that mean? Well, stick with me. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But let me begin by saying that this was Paul's philosophy of life. This was his mission statement. It was his goal. It was his purpose. You probably know by now that everyone lives for something. And Paul left no doubt to who he was living for. But before we dive deeper on that, I want you to notice that this verse, Philippians 1.21, it's a good summary of Christianity itself. It's a good summary of Christianity itself. I remember back to my Bible college days, and I'm realizing... How long ago that was now? And I remember a particular class and I remember a particular assignment. And I, there's a lot that I've forgotten. And there's a lot that I'll probably never remember. But I remember a particular assignment. I think it may have been in theology class where we had to write a paper that answered a pretty simple question as far as uh, questions go, I guess, as far as the length of it. The depth is quite profound. But it was this question, what is Christianity? We had to write a paper on that. Now, that should have been a pretty easy assignment because, after all, that was given to us and we were Bible college students. And I think the majority of us were there by choice. There may have been a, a, some that were sent there with no choice. That does happen, you know. But I think the majority of us were there by choice and we were given this assignment. And it should have been an easy assignment. I don't remember the length. I don't think it was very long. But we had to answer this question, what is Christianity? And I don't remember exactly what my grade was on that paper but I did not do as well as I should have. And that's maybe a little surprising when you think about Bible college students not doing well on a question called, what is Christianity? But the reason I didn't do as well as maybe I could have is because the professor was looking for one particular answer. And it was this, Christianity is Christ. Christianity is is Christ. When we start defining Christianity, we begin talking about things like church and baptism and service and 
obedience and the like. And of course, that's all part of living out our faith. It is a part of our expression of faith. But when you boil it all down and you have to answer the question, what is Christianity? The answer is Christianity is Christ. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I love how Paul puts it here in chapter 1, verse 21 of Philippians. For to me, as far as I'm concerned, no matter what anybody else does, no matter what anybody else lives for, personally, for to me, to live is Christ. You know, if you take Christ out of Christianity, you don't have much left. In fact, you have nothing left. It's empty motions. It's religious practices. Sometimes when we're, we're in our most honest phase of life, maybe, we are busy trying to be, bring people to our church or our beliefs or our practices or our thoughts or our way of some understanding. What we, what we need to do is bring people to Christ. Bring people to Christ. That's what Christianity is all about. Christianity is Christ. And the rest of that, which follows, is a part of living out our faith. Baptism and church membership and service and giving and all the rest. But it begins, continues, and ends with the person of Jesus Christ. So I've got to ask you today, I know I'm preaching to the 9 o'clock service on a Sunday morning where it's dreary and cold outside, but do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? If not, may I invite you today Christ. You know, some people have a personal relationship with their church and their church members and go through the motions, but if you do not have a personal relationship with Christ, then you, my friend, are lost and you need to be saved. And I invite you to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the rest of the message is for those who are believers. And so if that is you, I want you to lean in for a few minutes and I'll try to be brief. I know what it is to sit in a service in a mask and you can't wait to get out and get the mask off. And so I'll be brief, God helping me today. In this verse, Paul talks about living and he talks about dying. And those are going to be our two points today, living and dying. And so if someone asks you this week, what did your preacher preach on? You can tell them he preached on living and dying. I mean, that's just what we're going to preach on today. All right. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Now, notice he didn't say that Christ is part of my life or Christ is even the most important part of my life or he's the most important person in my life. He said, for me to live is Christ. I mean, it's just blunt. He says it this way in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Christ was His life. His purpose for living was Christ. Christ was not just a part of His life. Christ was His life. And everyone lives for something or for someone. I understand among the ancient ruins of Carthage, there's an inscription that was carved by a Roman soldier. And that inscription says this, to laugh, to hunt, to bathe, to game. That is life. That Roman soldier would have had to say, for to me to live is to laugh and to hunt and to bathe and to game. That is my life. 
Everybody lives for someone or something. If you follow Major League Baseball, you probably recognize the name Ted Williams. Ted Williams was actually the last player to bat over 400 in the season. And believe it or not, that was way back in 1941. He's the last one to bat um, over 400 in a season. Throughout his career, Williams stated that his goal was to have people point to him and remark, there goes Ted Williams, the greatest hitter who ever lived. That was his goal. That was his goal. For to me to live is to be the greatest hitter in Major League Baseball and for people to point and say, there goes the greatest hitter who ever lived. Everyone lives for something or someone. Now the real question today is not, what did Ted Williams live for? Or what did that Roman soldier live for? But what are you living for? Who are you living for? That's a question that we all have to face. Ron Dunn challenges us when he said, you have to be right in your purpose. You have to be right in your purpose. I'm talking about the absorbing purpose in your life. Many of us have lesser purposes and lesser degrees and lesser grades. We have to have these, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the all-absorbing purpose in our life because whatever that all-absorbing purpose is, that purpose takes every circumstance and bends it to its service. It makes every other purpose a servant of that purpose. So what is your all-absorbing purpose of life? Be honest with yourself. What are you living for? Who are you living for today? Some live for money. For to me to live is money. Some live for fame. For to, for to me to live is fame. Some to, live, to obtain more power and, and some for their family and some for sports and some for weekends and some for retirement or some for my next shiny whatever it is, the gadget or the car or the house or whatever it is. That's what my life is wrapped up in. Various things that people live for. And sadly, what those people find is once they obtain whatever it is they thought would satisfy, they get it and it doesn't satisfy the way they thought it would. And they begin looking around for something else to satisfy them. And if they can't find it, they grow desperate and maybe take desperate measures because they feel like that life is not worth living because there's no true purpose. But Paul says, listen, for to me to live is Christ. Christ is my purpose for living now, what does that mean to live is Christ? What does that mean? As I studied this out, old Edie said it very eloquently. I'll give you what he said. And I'm going to give you even a simpler version in a moment. He said, for to me to live is Christ. The preaching of Christ is the business of my life. The presence of Christ, the cheer of my life. The image of Christ, the crown of my life. The Spirit of Christ, the life of my life. The love of Christ, the power of my life. The will of Christ, the law of my life. And the glory of Christ, the end of my life. And Edie said Christ was the absorbing element of his life. If he traveled, it was on Christ's errand. If he suffered, it was in Christ's service. When he spoke, his theme was Christ. And when he wrote, Christ filled his letters. His all-absorbing purpose, goal, focus of his life was Jesus Christ. Let me give you a simpler way of thinking about it. Tom Constable said this, Jesus Christ was the sun around which Paul's life orbited. 
That's a good way of thinking about it. Christ was his life. You know, the hymn wasn't written when Paul was alive. But had it been written, I, I think Paul probably would have loved it. Maybe you know the old song. We used to sing it in church growing up. Let me give you a couple of verses. It went like this. Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without Him I would fall. When I am sad, to Him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, He makes me glad. He's my friend. It goes on to say, Jesus is all the world to me and true to Him I'll be. Oh, how could I this friend deny when He's so true to me? Following Him, I know I'm right. He watches o'er me day and night. Following Him by day and night, He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. Paul would have loved that song because it summarized his life. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now be honest with yourself today. Is Christ your life? Is He the sun at which your whole life orbits? Does your life revolve around Jesus Christ? Is your life filled with Christ? I find that a lot of Christians, they want Christ to be a part of their life. But beloved, that's not the way it works. Christ is to be our life. And Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So we've covered the living part. Now let's talk about dying for a moment. <laughs> All right, it's encouragement thought it did. So we come back after six weeks of being online. But Paul brings it up and listen, it's going to be an encouraging word. Because he says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that seems like a strange statement. To die is gain. We don't like the idea of death. We don't like to think about death. How in the world could death be gain? It seems like a great minus. It seems like a great loss. And I need to remind you that when Paul wrote this, again, he was not in his luxury villa overlooking the sea, relaxing, sipping on a cool beverage. He's writing this from Rome to the believers in Philippi. Paul is under house arrest, facing possible execution. And so when he says to die, to die as gain, he's possibly facing death very soon. And he says to die as gain. Now listen, if this life is all that we have, then death would be a great minus. I mean, this is all we have. Death would be a huge minus, maybe the greatest minus of all. But as believers, we can say that death is gain. Now, how is that? Well, Paul knew that this life was not it. In reality, Paul recognized that he was in a win-win situation. Now, maybe you found yourself in some situations where you felt it was lose-lose, and that's not a fun place to be. And then you maybe find yourself in situations often where it's a lose-win situation. But we love it when we get in a win-win. And Paul's in a win-win situation. He basically says, if I stay, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Why? Because it's more of Christ. Now you're there in Philippians 1.21. Let's read that verse again and add to it. Philippians 1, we read down through verse 26. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, if I keep on living, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Paul says, I don't know if I want to die or live. 
Verse 23, for I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. It's a gain. Nevertheless, verse 24, to remain in the flesh, to live, is more needful for you, Philippians. Verse 25, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Paul had a single mind, a single focused life. And it was this. It didn't matter what happened to Paul. What really mattered was Christ and the gospel. And Paul's mind worked this way. Whatever can speed the gospel along, Whatever can glorify Christ, no matter what it costs me personally, that's what I want in my life. Now, remember, he's writing under house arrest probably at this time, facing possible execution. And the theme of Philippians is joy. How can that be? Because he realized that his life was Christ. And it really didn't matter if he lived or died. It didn't matter. Because if he lived, he would live for Christ. His life is Christ. He continued laboring for Christ, leading others to Christ, building people up in Christ. And if he died, it was a gain. It was actually better because he would have more of Christ because he would be in Christ's presence. And that brought tremendous joy. It was a win-win. If I stay, Christ. If I die, more of Christ. You know, as I was studying this, I, I thought about uh, John Patton. I, I've mentioned to him. Uh, I've mentioned him to you before, I believe. John Patton. I'm slowly making my way through. I've been doing it for a long time now. I read a little bit and come back to it later. I have ADD when it comes to reading. I'll read 100 books at a time, it seems. Just go. I love my Kindle because I can just go from book to book to book, 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 book. But I've been reading John Patton's autobiography for a long time. If you remember, John Patton was a missionary to cannibals. How'd you like that assignment? <laughs> Lord, what would you have me do? want you to go and be a missionary to cannibals. I'm thankful God didn't send me because the cannibals would love to see me come. But he was a missionary to cannibals. And I kid you not, every time I open John Patton's autobiography, it seems like, and I continue reading, it's always the same. Someone's trying to kill him. I open it up, read. Somebody's trying to come. He's fleeing for his life. By the way, you want to read something that really bless you, get the autobiography of John Patton. As I was preparing for Philippians, you know, you think about a man like John Patton. What upholds a man like that? To minister to people that want to eat you. And I don't mean, I don't mean verbally. I don't mean with their tongues, you know, just lashing out. I mean, they want to eat you. They want to kill you. And they want to feast upon you. What keeps a man like that going? I mean, talk about discouragement. Over and over and over again, trying to be killed, losing his stuff. I mean, I just read where they, you know, he, he flees and, and, and they take his stuff and they're trading his stuff. He sees the ship there and the people are wearing his shirts because they traded with the natives because he took his stuff and he couldn't get it back. And just on and on. What keeps a man going like that? And as I was studying for this, I came across part of his story in a, a commentary on Philippians and it shed a lot of light on John Patton's life. 
And here's what it said. An aging Christian said these words to John G. Patton when he was planning to go as a missionary to the South Sea Islands. An older Christian said these words, you'll be eaten by cannibals. Isn't that encouraging? I'm going to share the gospel. You'll be eaten by cannibals! That was his warning from that older Christian. And I want you to hear the words that John Patton said back to him. Now listen, these are worth hearing. John Patton said in reply to that warning, Mr. Dixon, that's who it was, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now, and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. In other words, John Patton knew that for me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm going to be eaten by worms, so I might as well go ahead and be eaten by cannibals if that's what Jesus wants, because my life is all about Jesus Christ. And beloved, it's just, it's just time for us to quit playing games. We're living in perilous times. We're living in dark days. We're facing things we've never faced before as believers in the United States of America. We're the bad guys in many eyes now. They used to agree with us, then they began to tolerate us, and now they can't stand us. And we have to realize that where we're living, that we need to stand boldly for Jesus Christ because our life is all about Christ. Christ is our life. And for the believer, death is not loss. It's gain. Why? Because we go to be with Jesus and we see Him face to face. I read of a battle where the flag bearers got way out ahead of the troops. I'm picturing your mind an old army going and the flag has gotten way out in front of the troops. And someone called out, shall we bring the flag back to the regiment? And the captain answered with these words, no, the regiment must catch up to the flag. And can I just tell you that Paul is waving the flag this morning and I'm taking the flag and I'm waving it this morning to live as Christ. He is our all in all. And it's time that we catch up with the flag. Christianity is not just going to church on Sunday. Christianity is not just making sure you are baptized. Christianity is not just being a church member. Christianity is not just giving and serving. Christianity is a person. It is Jesus Christ. And He is to be our life. So I ask you today, can you honestly say, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. If you can't say that, because remember we're talking to Christians, why can't you say it? What needs to change? What needs to happen in your life to where your life revolves around Jesus Christ? Where your life has purpose and meaning and joy. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes just for a moment.
Do you know Christ today? You might say, well, I, I thought I did. That a church member, I've been serving, been doing a lot of things, but I'm not certain that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, friend, right now, right where you are, as God deals with your heart, you can enter into such a relationship. Just talk to the Lord. Tell Him you know that you're lost. Tell Him you know you've sinned. And you're sorry. You don't want your sin anymore. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ. Just turn to faith right now and give your life to Christ. Now, Christian... Can you say these words with Paul? Oh, I know we're not perfect. I know we fail. Paul did too. But can you honestly say that your life is Christ? Maybe today God has put His finger on something that needs to be adjusted to be changed. Would you just speak to Him for a moment right where you are? Allow Him to have His will in His way. Father, this world is so alluring. The message is screamed at us from every corner to gain the world. Lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, wealth, prosperity, comfort, ease. Lord, we want to make our heaven here. But we know that we're just pilgrims. We're just strangers here. We're just ambassadors. Our home is in heaven. And Christ is to be our life. Help us to be honest with you and honest with ourselves. And be obedient to you. And allow you to have your will and your way. I pray your richest blessings upon each one and help us to get to the place where we can say honestly for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain in Christ's name we pray Amen I want to sing in closing this morning I am thine O Lord I have heard thy voice And I would encourage you to continue to just deal with the Lord right where you are. But think about these words as we close. Because we belong to Him. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Would you stand together and let's sing together.
Thank you for listening today. We trust that our time together was a blessing to you. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and of course on our website at redhillbaptist.org. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.